0: Hello and welcome to the podcast, Are We Nearly There Yet? My name's Professor Andrew Sherry and I'm interested in people's journeys to discover who they are and what they're made to do. We can all learn something from other people's stories, so join me on another adventure.
1: It's okay to be scared and it's okay to be nervous. They're natural feelings, so just embrace them.
0: Today, I'm talking to Nicola Newton, who is head of technology and digital change at the National Nuclear Laboratory. Nicola lives in Warrington with her husband, Chris, a nine year old son, Harry, and four dogs. So it is a house full in lockdown. Uh, Nicola enjoys reading and running when she's not working. Nicola, it's lovely to see you. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Nicola, you grew up in Warrington in Appleton. Tell us what you were like as a young girl and what you enjoyed at school. So
1: a lot of people are probably be surprised if I said this, but actually growing up, I was a real tomboy. So, you know, I'm very much known for my, my nails and my lashes nowadays. But um, yeah, I grew up, for those that know the area, close to the Dingle. So I was swinging on rope swings, climbing trees, you know, um, those were the days your mum would kick you out the house at nine o'clock in the morning and you come back when it was getting dark you know and if you didn't have muddy knees and if you cuts and some bruises you haven't had a good day. Um, school I always found quite challenging and um, I um, discovered early on that um, I wasn't the most academic um, and enjoyed doing more arts and crafts and and drama. Oh, I loved a bit of drama. Um, still do now. Um, but, yeah, I, I sort of I bumbled my way through school. I think it's a nice expression. You know, I got a lot out of it in terms of building relationships, um, but did find it challenging.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say with with your love of drama, I imagine working in change management and transformation gives you a bit of drama in your work life as well, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely no two days are the same absolutely not yeah I, I um, I've always been referred to in previous roles as the firefighter somebody that they'd parachute into an issue sort it out put out the fire and then they'd have to parachute me back out again quickly before I got bored so didn't do steady stay have to keep going 110 miles an hour
0: yeah yeah we, and we'll we see that as we go through your career so as you as you you did your GCSEs at school what were your thoughts about your future at that time
1: we went to see a careers advisor um so I don't even know if they still have them in schools nowadays um and my mum was invited to come along with me and I remember walking down the corridor you know this this um giggly girl, if you like, full of life and energy and going in and sitting down. And this careers lady said to me, so Nicola, what what do you want to do when you grow up? Um, What would you like to be? And I think it's probably the first time anyone seriously asked me that question. And I went, I want to be a social worker. And my mum looked at me and she went, no you don't. Where's that come from? And the careers advisor turned around and said to my mum, excuse me, this is Nicola's interview you can just sit and be quiet so me poor mum sat there be quiet where I was telling this woman how I've always aspired to be a social worker where I got it from I do not know I genuinely don't and there I was sent off to college um you know to study health and social care first big mistake I ever made I'll say
0: and how long did you last there then
1: So I got got through my first year and I was on track for a distinction. Um, I also got a part-time job um, whilst I was going through college Um, and really quickly realised I loved chatting to old people. The stories that they could tell was phenomenal. You know, talking to kids, you know, they're they're so innocent. They look at life through just such simplicity but the other side of it, I, I couldn't do, you know, I, I, I hated it, I, I, you know, I, I loved engaging and conversing, but the, the care side of it and everything else that came with it um, just didn't float my boat. Um, and as I say, I got this part-time job while I was there, and that was at ET as a sales advisor, um, which was funny in itself, because I went along with my friend when she got an interview, to, just to support her, give her a bit of moral support. And on the way there, I thought, well, you know what? I could do with a bit of cash in the bank, you know, going out on a Friday night rather than the bank mum and dad. So I blagged my way into an interview and pretended that they must have messed up and my name had been missed off the list. I then went on to get the part-time job and she didn't. So let's just say I had to return return the favor in paying for a beers on a night out for a few occasions.
0: It's really interesting that because, um, you know, on that uh, social working skills thing, it was absolutely clear you love people and you love to talk to people and you blagged your way in. So, I mean, that is a feature of learning who you are, isn't it? You're a great people person.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, from an early age, I just, you know, I've always surrounded myself with people, you know, I love, I love listening and hearing stories. And, you know, when, even from being a young child and your mum used to read to you at night, you know, um, to, you know, I never, I think it's fair to say I never knew what I was good at even, even then, you know, um, you can't talk about a career being good at chatting to people, can you? I mean, unless you're going to go into TV and something, um, you know, nobody ever talks to you about the softer skills um, that are actually fundamental, really, um, you know, in that business environment. And, you know, I'm fortunate that, you know, over time and through the opportunities I've been given, the people I've had chance to work with, you know, I've been able to, realize that and really nurture and develop that skill set
0: I always yeah I always think they're as important as the sort of the qualifications and what you know in your head These softer how how do we get on with people how do we bring the best out of people how do we bring different characters together and help them work as diverse teams all of those sort of soft skills as well as understanding yourself which is always a journey as well it's just so important to a career
1: It is, it is, you know, and and that'd be the first thing I'd say to anyone, you know, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up, you know, Um, but for me that's never been a bad thing because by the fact that I've never made a conscious decision to um, pursue um, one particular avenue, it's enabled me to consider and get the opportunity to try lots of different things across lots of different industries on a wide range of sectors so
0: yeah that is great so, so you got that that part-time role at BT and you, and you stayed there um, for some time in telesales and customer services and then you moved um, as a as team manager didn't you we we're working with Barclaycard so tell us a little bit about that transition and why that came about and what you were trying to do
1: yeah, so, you know, BT was such an amazing opportunity for me. Um, you know, I was working full time. I was earning very, very good money, so, you know, sales. As you can hear, I don't have an issue talking. So I really didn't have an issue selling, um, you know. And at 18, I was earning too much money probably for an 18-year-old. And my mum and dad encouraged me to buy a house. So I bought my first house at 18, Um And I was doing really well at BT and at 18, I was one of the youngest team managers that had um, secured a permanent team manager role, which was fabulous. Um, But then all of a sudden, this feeling, if you like, kept coming in terms of, and I hadn't realized what it was, and it was ambition, it was drive to want to do more. Um, And, you know, I had some really inspiring leaders at BT, And I quickly realized that it was a bit like dead man shoes. So you could only really move up the levels, if you like, when somebody sort of retired or won the lottery. So um, fortunate I got my team manager role. Barclaycard was advertising um, an internet contact center team manager. Um, So this was more on the service side. And I went for the job there and got the role. So I moved from working, living and working in Warrington, if you like, to uh, sort of really putting my big girl boots on and having to get on the train every day to Manchester. Um, So I was never a city girl, but you know, uh, and that's that's how that transition happened. And I was terrified, absolutely terrified, yeah. I drove into Manchester on my first day and prior to that day I'd driven to the building about five times just so I knew how to get there and I wouldn't get lost because whilst I may come across really confident at that age I was a nervous wreck I was nervous about everything and I'd really have to psych myself up for things and on my first day I parked the car I went into the office and You know, people were lovely, very welcoming. You know, it it was such a lovely environment and we were at the cutting edge. We were doing emails now, you know, it was great. Um, You didn't have to speak to customers face to face. This team that I inherited was emailing customers And I left work at the end of the first day, feeling really pleased with myself, only to find my car had been towed away because it was paying display and it had been there all day and I hadn't realised. So let's just say my first day in a new job cost me more than what I actually got paid.
0: So I'm really interested in what you said there about being a nervous wreck and having to sort of force yourself, because one of the things people find and i found it in my own career that you you can get yourself in like a safe space or a comfort zone and the longer you're in there sometimes the harder it is to push that boundary and step outside so how, how did you sort of generate that courage to take that big big step in yourself
1: do you know it it goes back to um you know i came from i grew up in you know with with two brothers uh, one older one younger um, my mum was exceptionally hard-working. Um, her, um, my dad got divorced when I was quite young. Um, and, you know, my mum worked so hard to keep a roof over our heads and food on the table that I always said I never wanted to be in that position. So... I suppose that's always been my own, and she won't mind me sharing that with you, um, but that's always been my own personal driver, if you like, I I just imagine my mum going out, you know, cooking and cleaning for other people and, you know, working at the school as a dinner lady as she was then, and and she just looked so tired all the time. And I always promised her, you know, that I'd make sure I did something with my life. So I think sometimes, you know, you just have to dig deep, don't you? Face it full on. What's the worst that can happen? Let's be honest. You know, you make a fool of yourself. Oh, do you know, so what? You'll laugh it off one day. You might not there and then at that moment in the time. But, you know, you'll look back and you, I promise, you will laugh. You know, so don't ever be afraid. Try new things. It's the only way you'll get to truly, truly, just enjoy different experiences, no matter how frightening they may be.
0: Mm. And you grow as a person as well, don't you?
1: You do. You do. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So tell us about that that time then. Um, what were you learning about yourself after that move, and how were you stretched in different ways?
1: I think the biggest change that happened is that at Barclcard, a few probably within a year, um, there was a decision made to outsource the emails um, to India. So it was at the time a lot of organisations, you know, were going through outsourcing um, and I was asked to lead on that programme of work. Never before I'd have been involved in projects or programmes. So it was a great opportunity to try something different, um, working with, you know, colleagues in India, experiencing different cultures and so forth. So. Um, but at the same time, I'd built um, a very, very strong relationship with my team. And I was really cognizant of the fact that some of these people were potentially gonna be at risk of being out of a job, you know? So my moral compass was really torn. Um, But, you know, it was the right thing for the organization to do at that point in time. Um, And I ended up having to have conversations with, you know, with individuals about early retirement, you know, um, alternative roles real personal conversations about how decisions that I was being asked to make that were fundamentally gonna impact their lives. And for me, that really made me grow as an individual, because now all of a sudden work isn't just about paying my bills and keeping the lights on at home, but you're actually influencing other people's lives as well. So they stopped just being a work colleague they're actually a person as well and that's something I've always carried throughout the rest of my career um I'm very cognizant of you know decisions I make or and some have to be very hard decisions that you're not happy with but is the right thing to do but I always believe it's how you do it it's it's how you communicate those hard decisions you know it's the, the it's the way in which you do it, I think, will um, make those decisions sit well with me in terms of, you know, my own integrity, um, but also, I think, how they're received from other people. And that, that was, you know, a really, really challenging, challenging time, especially because I knew my job was safe. I knew I had another role to go to, so And that that was my first real challenge, I'd say, in terms
0: of my career. Those ethical dilemmas that we all face from time to time at work, where what we're doing, we know it affects people. And sometimes it's a sort of positive influence because you might be creating jobs and there's growth and you're bringing people in. But equally, as you found there, and as I found from time to time, there are sometimes just very difficult decisions that have to be made and it affects people's lives and you've got to be true to your own personal values. You mentioned your own integrity as well. And it's quite a difficult tightrope to walk, isn't it, sometimes? You said it was about the way that you had those conversations and so on. And and you would, you know, these people who you your work colleagues, you were seeing as people. What do you think you were able to do that maybe somebody else wouldn't have been able to do because of your own personal values in, in working through that?
1: You know, I think i saw people as individuals not as just a number they weren't just a headcount you know they weren't just a full time equivalent that came in and worked you know in the office they were, they were a person they were an individual and i saw them as that and i talked to them as the, if they were you know as the person that they actually were uh, not just a name on a on a hr list if you like and also got them to look at other opportunities and challenge themselves as well you know, because there were opportunities there for people if they wanted them. So I very much give them support and development and encouragement. And for those that didn't want to do that, then again, right till the day that, you know, was their last day, making it special. You know, it's the small things that mean the most. It's a bouquet of flowers to say thank you for all your hard work. It is just saying to someone you did a great job while you were here, thank you so much. And it's those things we tend to forget because we lose sight of it with everything else that's going on. So I think I was able just to take a step back and walk in the shoes of somebody else for a while.
0: Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. And those moments actually teach you what your values are as well and reveal something. It's a bit like stepping outside your comfort zone. You realise there are things you can do that you didn't realise you can do. But those difficult moments tell you something about who you are as a person internally, don't they? And the values that are important to you. So um, and being true to those is so important. So you, so you, you did get in, involved in, in sort of program management and business change. And then you moved to the cooperative bank um, where you were taking up the lead on the project management organization. Um, tell us about that move and, and how did that stretch you?
1: Yeah, so I was in, I don't know whether you call it a fortunate or unfortunate position um, when my time came to an end at Barclaycard because I was actually made redundant twice in one day. <laughs> the first reason they were making me redundant is because they were shutting the Manchester office, which was my home location at the time. Um, but my team was based in Northampton, so I used to commute quite a lot. Um, And my team based in Northampton was also put at risk of redundancy. So two notifications from two different areas in one day, I just thought, you know, maybe it's time for something different. Um, And whether you want to say fortunately or unfortunately, I didn't get redundancy, I got job matched. Um, So two opportunities, you know, but no, absolutely. But to me, that was, you know, that just demonstrated that they really valued my contribution um, but after a number of years and really, truly developing in projects and programme management, doing my Six Sigma training, which I did at Barker Card, um, I got approached um, from somebody I used to work with about a role at the co-op. And um, would I be interested in going for an interview? And it was working, ironically, working um, as the PMO lead in IT. Um, and this was my first sort of taster of IT. And when I researched a co-op back then, it was, it was rebranding itself and the values of what it stood for and what it was about was so close to home for me. Um, that was, I'd say, the biggest driver um, in making me really want the role, if you like. Unfortunately, I did secure the role. So that was, you know, that was my driver for moving, um, you know, it's not necessarily um, about how much you get paid or the organization, you know, or the, the big name companies. Um, for me, it was more about what those companies actually stood for um, and have been for each of the companies I've moved. It's always factored as a really important part of my decision-making process.
0: Yeah, and, and understanding what your values are through those testing times and so on makes that decision easier because you can recognize uh, at least what a company says about themselves on their website in terms of their values. And when you get inside, you can see whether they're actually living them out. And and often I talk to people and, and they find there's a mismatch in who they are and what they value and what the organization values. And ultimately in some cases that's meant they've had just simply had to part ways because it just didn't fit, you know, the role description fitted, but the environment and the culture and the behaviors, of the organisation didn't sit well but when you got into the co-op did you find that the values internally as were lived out sort of fitted?
1: Absolutely the first sort of three to four years were just such amazing times to you know it really was a great place to work you know we were the projects and programs we were involved in was was leading the way you know it was on it was a forward-thinking organization it embraced technology and change and at the same time it really challenged its individuals to be the best that they can be um you know um, my director at the time his ethos was let's make it fun you know it was constantly let's make it fun you know we used to have monday fun day i'll never forget monday fun days you know um, And that was very much what it was about. And it was about, you know, giving back to the the community. Um, And as I say, that's where I really got heavily involved in in delivery. Um, And then as most IT departments do, you know, they get married and divorced to business change on a regular basis. Um, And throughout my career, you know, that happened two or three times at the co-op. But in the, the final time it happened, It was because of, you know, people will remember the Britannia incident and everything else. Um, And I think off the back of those issues, the behaviours and the values changed significantly. Um, And for me personally, it stopped being a great place to work. Um, And you're right, people have to make a decision. And at that point in time, I decided it it was time to move on. Um, And it was quite funny, really, because my last program was was about um, bringing um, the group IT department and the bank IT department together as one, And obviously there'll be redundancies, new opportunities, working with the executive to understand, you know, get them really challenged their thinking in terms of what the structures look like, you know, stop thinking about people, think about the skills and the capability you need to be successful, and then we'll take it from there. And On my last day um, in the office, I sent out the letter to the last successful appointment and the, the program was then wrapping up um, and I just left I said my goodbyes but I, I just quietly left and my husband Chris worked at the co and for weeks afterwards everyone kept saying to Chris have you seen Nicole we've not seen her in a while is she okay and Chris is like she left she left weeks ago but I didn't want a big fanfare her or anything else just so it's, you know I've done what I need to do it's time to just move on now. So, you know, I said my thank yous, I said my goodbyes, and off I went.
0: So so you did sort of exit stage left. So what was the next move and how did that come about?
1: The next move was to United Utilities, um, where by at this point in my career, um, I delivered, um, some successfully, some not, um, a number of large-scale projects and programmes, uh, but I really enjoyed the governance side of delivery, um, very much so. And um, that's that sort of became then where I was, you know, my career was focused on, was around the, the PMO, the governance side of delivery. And it's funny because when you talk to a lot of people, and I get quite passionate about this, people think as PMO as admin. And actually it's not. It's a career in its own right. And to be really good at PMO, you need to have delivered, you know, some some sizable projects and programs to truly understand how you can you know you can really make sure that you're supporting the delivery to make sure people can deliver to time cost and quality that they've got the right processes and policies in place and so forth so i'll get off my soapbox but yeah i get quite passionate about that and um at united utilities i got the opportunity to go in um and work for their change director helping to set up that PMO capability um, under the, the PMO manager that was there at the time. Um, and, you know, we it was the first time United Utilities in a long time had embarked on doing change in-house. Um, they used a lot of, you know, the top four companies to do it for them previously. We all know that can be quite costly ultimately. So, you know, the decision was made to... Bring it in. Um, so that's what they did. Hence, why the role was created. And you know, we we established a really strong PMO capability that was it was the heartbeat of the delivery function. Um, but what became apparent um, was that we were we were great at you know developing and delivering the programs. We were great at governing the programs but we weren't great at landing that change. So it became embedded and sustainable. Um, So I mentioned earlier, I'm a bit of a firefighter. Um, So I got asked by the change director, um, who was fantastic lady, really inspirational um, woman, um, if I would go and set up a business readiness and deployment capability within United Utilities. And the role of my team was to work alongside the business um, and the project delivery teams to make sure that the business's voice was heard, their needs were met, that they were communicated to, that they were trained. So I had trainers working for me um, and that we deployed it and made sure it was sustainable. So no more lobbying over the new piece of technology over the fence and saying, ta-da, there you go. You know, I have business readiness and deployment managers whose role it was to, to if you like, to nurture that, that change with the business to make sure that we truly got the benefits um, and that the business cases were then actually delivered and the benefits became real.
0: Just sort of when you were saying that, I was just think it's really interesting because often you think this is the structure, the new structure, or this is the new approach, or this is where we're going as an organisation. You know, leaders can sort of come up and dream. It's easy to dream these sorts of ideas and visions and all the rest of it. But sometimes we forget to sort of locate that in the present. And, and, and that includes not just the present structures and the present processes and procedures that you know are within all businesses but within the people as well and it sounds like one of the things that makes you good at this sort of living at the interface almost between where we are now and where we're going both in the structures um, uh, and the pmo and all of that sort of stuff but also with the people enables that transition to happen because at the end of the day it is about the people
1: always about the people You know, everybody thinks it's about it's about the technology, it's about the solution, but it's about, you know, it's about the research. But it's actually it's a person. It's a person that you need, whether you like it or not, to help you drive that forward. Um, You know, and they are people at the end of the day, Um, you know, they do have views and opinions. And I'd like to think a lot of the people I work with, especially in my current role. I'm not an expert, not at all, you know? Um, they are, and actually their advice, their opinions are really stand for something. Um, and the only way to truly take any anybody on that journey with you is to make them feel empowered. You know, that their voice counts, that you'll listen to their opinion. You may not choose to do what they're suggesting, um, but they still feel respected and valued. And, you know, for me, that's what makes great leaders, you know. You don't have to know all the detail. You don't have to be an expert or technical or anything else. Um, you know, I've, I've said it before. It's about translating that technical language, whether whatever that may be, into a vision, into, into words that everybody can understand and can identify the role that they can play to help contribute
0: towards that often we think of work as a series of tasks that are there to be delivered um and and it's all logical and it's all you know makes sense in terms of you know equations or bullet points or a structured argument or whatever it is this is why we're doing it and this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it but then there's the other side of that which is all about people emotions um People feeling, as you as you said, listened to and heard, even if, you know, the decision is to go a different way. And um, what it feels to me, you're, you're able to bring these two worlds of, of sort of cold, logical business sense with the heartbeat of an organisation, which is its people. And you, you, you're able to bring these two things together to move forward in a way that actually brings people, you know, on the journey that the organisation is going.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm really fortunate, you know, really fortunate um, that I get those opportunities. And that, you know, if you like, I've, I've, I've had those opportunities to truly realise my strength. You go back to the conversation right at the beginning, what do you want to be when you grow up? How do you describe that? You know?
0: I was going to say, I think some of your job probably is doing a bit of social work within the organisation. To be honest,
1: absolutely, absolutely, the stories I could tell.
0: So one of the things you said earlier, and it just struck me, I just wanted to explore this a little bit, was uh, in one of your moves, it was someone that you had worked with previously who got in touch with you, and I'm wondering, a whether that has happened in any of your other roles as well, but but importantly, the value of those wider relationships that you build up during your career and how that can actually help to shape your career it's not that you're using people but people see something in you and if they need it they'll get in touch
1: yeah i mean i'm as i say it it, it, it has happened um, on a few occasions but for me it's it's also happened within the organizations i've worked with um you know it happens at the co-op where i was moved around a lot you know um, Within UU, my uh, director, who I said was an amazing lady, very inspirational. I was really fortunate that she gave me those opportunities. And then when she moved into a completely different business area, into the domestic retail arm of the organisation, she took me with her, you know, Um, because I built up that trust um, with her. You know, she she knew she could rely on me to do what needed to be done. Um, in the right way so it's not for me you know it's not even just outside of the organizations the relationships you build at all levels within the organization is so important you know um, for those that know me well I often say I don't care if you're the CEO or if you're the cleaner you know you both get exactly the same level of respect from me because you're both there doing your jobs to the best that you can do it um and it did happen um when i left united utilities that was a really hard decision to make probably the hardest one um but as i said you know i i was fortunate that you know i'd i'd done quite a few years in financial services i'd done a number of years by this point um in utilities um and i got approached and sent this role profile for um, sort of uh, head of PMO, if you like, um, and was promised a blank sheet of paper at NNL. Um, in terms of there was no team, there was nothing was in place, and that opportunity doesn't come along that often. Um, and it was just such an amazing opportunity that I just couldn't say no. Uh, so I said my goodbyes, I said my farewells, and thinking and i must have now thinking what the devil am i doing what would somebody like me be able to do in an organization that is all about nuclear i was terrified terrified i was terrified in terms of did i truly have the skills to do it um and actually, how do you face into all these amazing big brained people? you know it's it's all scientists and you know they do research and development and and I was really was not a clue what to expect on that first day. I was so overwhelmed coming in, and you know even you know in my late thirties walking into the room on that first day I w- oh I was terrified, but you know yeah. yeah You put that smile on your face and take a big, deep breath and in
0: you go. And as I say, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, people will find that so encouraging because actually we all feel like that from time to time. You know, as as we do things for the first time or go to new organisations or even meet new people. You know, I met a new person on Teams this morning and your heart still beats faster, you know, because you don't know what to expect and what will they think of us and what will they think of you and all of that sort of thing. And will I put a foot wrong, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely all of that. And I'll, I'll tell you a little something as well, that should make you giggle. So I remember sitting there at my desk and I'd, it was a couple of weeks into the role. Um, and it was literally, we were a team of two at this point. Um, and one of the gentlemen that's worked for NNL for a very, very long time, um, in fact, probably my lifetime near enough, he'd worked there. Um, which absolutely terrified me, the thought of that. He came up to me and he said, Nicola, don't you worry. And I looked at him and said, worry about what? And he said, I will teach you all about nuclear in a way that even you'll understand. And I just went, oh, that'd be really lovely. Thank you for that. And as much as at the time I'm thinking, what? It genuinely, the gesture came from such a lovely place as patronising as it sounded. But, you know, that just shows that, you know, the people that we work with, you know, this organisation is an organisation that want to do the right things. They want the best for everybody, Um, you know. And that, you know, it's an organisation that's so proud um, that... You know, again, I've been really fortunate, you know, in terms of what I've achieved and the opportunities I've been given at NNL. And as I said, it's not always about, you know, moving from one um, world to another. You know, you can move around within your own worlds just as important.
0: So I'm going to take you back to when you were younger. And perhaps we should think about when you just had your you blagged your way into that interview at BT <laughs> and you'd been offered, you realise you've been offered the job, right? That's the moment. If you could to a parachute, parachute in and whisper a piece of advice to your younger self, just on the cusp of starting a job, what, what would be your best advice you could give your younger self?
1: I think the best advice I'd give to myself would be, it's okay to be scared and it's okay to be nervous. They're natural feelings. So just embrace them and keep trying new things.
0: What great advice. So push through the feel the fear and do it anyway.
1: Absolutely. It's the title
0: of a great book that which just sort of sums up what you've said. Fantastic. Nicola, thanks so much for your time today.
1: No, thank you for your time, Andrew. It's been a pleasure.
0: If you've enjoyed this podcast, To help others enjoy it too, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and don't forget to rate and review. Thank you.